0: You're listening to Pastor Don Cherry from Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, recorded on April 11th, 2021. For more information about our church, visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or find us on all things social at svbcfamily. Have you ever thought what it's going to be like? We get to heaven. I mean, the moment that we're transported into the very presence of Christ. I think a lot of times we think, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But you know what? We really don't know what we're going to do until that happens. I like how I put, you know, will I dance before you, Jesus, or and all of you be still? You know, um, will I, to my knees will I fall? You know, will I shout hallelujah? We don't know what we're going to do. But all I know is, like it said there at the very end, we're going to worship Him for all eternity. Worship Him for all eternity. Take your Bibles this morning. i like for you to go to Matthew chapter 24. Um, I mentioned at the very beginning, we've talked already, and I'm so glad spring is here. I guess with age, you just get to where the cold doesn't do you any good. You know, I don't like to be out in it. I don't like to work in it, and I think, and, and just... I can't wait till those winter months are over. I don't know if you've seen out on the roads and everything, but there's a lot of campers and everything from like New York and places like that that are going back north. And I thought, oh, I know where they're coming from. They're the snowbirds. You know, they were down south, you know, for the winter months, and they're they're heading back up now that the weather's broken. The temperatures are going to be a little bit nicer. But can you uh, can, can you recall a time in your life when you were really cold? I mean, you you were really you're really cold. And one thing that stands out in mind was during my sophomore year in high school, um, our youth pastor he invited some of us guys, you know, in the youth group, say, "Hey, let's do an overnight hunting trip," and all night. you know, from Toledo, Ohio, you think, man, where do you go hunting in Toledo, Ohio? You know, if you look at a map of Ohio, you get out of any of the cities, you get out of Columbus, Cleveland, Toledo, any of those places, you are in farm country. I mean, there is nothing but farms around there, and out west of Toledo, that's the way it is. It's flat, it's farmland, and we would go out there, and um, you know, basically, we took shotguns and other things, are just going out there to shoot squirrels, rabbits, whatever. But uh, it was it was during December, it was Christmas break and other things, so we left like on a Friday afternoon, it was cold. You know, this is back early seventies. You know, so this was cold back then. And there was a out on this one property where we went. There was a a a log cabin, I guess you could say, but uh, it was a log cabin that would have made Jed Clampett's place look like a mansion. You know, I mean, this was it had no windows, had a dirt floor, and all the door was off its hinges. You had to put the door, you know, on when you're moving, and had an old cook stove old wood cook stove inside and so that's where we stayed and man i like say it was cold it got down that night and everything we got the cook stove you know had a little bit to eat and such but one thing we didn't do is we didn't get enough wood to keep the fire going overnight and all and i want to tell you something even before that happened and i I didn't come out of my hunting clothes. I mean, I had the coveralls, I had a hunting jacket, I had the boots, the hat, the whole thing like that. I slid all that into my sleeping bag and everything, and I tell you what, I just sat there and shook. I could never remember a time when I was so cold. And then we got up in the morning our youth pastor said, okay, who wants to go hunt- hunting? He said, no, let's go to McDonald's. You know, I mean, we we, we had it. We were going to get something to eat, something hot. We were done, you know, with that time. But that was the coldest that I can remember ever being. I want to speak to you this morning, Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Um, Jesus says here, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about keeping warm in an increasingly cooling world. And I'm talking about spiritually. I'm not talking about global cooling or global warming or anything like that. I'm talking about keeping our spirits warm in a culture and a world that is growing spiritually cold. Okay? We want to be careful of that. And when we look at the headlines, when we follow the news, you know, such like that, what are some of the things that we see? We see politics with their hand in everything thing it seems like politics is involved in everything now we're seeing it in baseball we're seeing it in other forms of sports and different things like that and everything in politics just getting their hands into everything you know almost in in a way to control our every movement and everything to remove you know liberty and freedom in in so many ways and then there's the misinformation that abounds out there you know you you can have four people uh, talk about the same story and you get six six different opinions you know it's just so who's Right? Who's wrong? Who's given the truth here? Who's given the facts? You see, and we just have so much of it coming across. Whether it's airwaves, whether it's radio, whether it's digital platforms, anything. There's just so much out there, and you have to sit back and wonder. Well, who's telling the truth? You know, we, we uh, the, all the misinformation, the idiocy. I call it idiocy of cancel culture and everything. I mean, they canceled Dr. Seuss, right? And they canceled Mr. Potato Head. How many of y'all had a Mr. Potato Head growing up? Hey man, Mr. Potato Head, you know? you know? But he got canceled. Now the Pepe Le Pew's gotten canceled and things. And now it just seems like anything and everything, you know, and it started with the Southern Museum, uh, I'm sorry, um, monuments, you know, Confederate monuments and things like that. By the way, Virginia, okay? I want to congratulate you. This week, Virginia became the first Southern state to legalize marijuana, aren't you glad your leg- legislation and everything? They're doing some important things down there in Richmond, but you know we got problems in Charleston too, and everything thing because our state's number one in opioid, you know, problems and things. So, um, you know, maybe our law- lawmakers somewhere down the line will pay attention to what's important and everything, and quit worrying about some of these peripheral things and such. But uh, yeah, these things are happening here you know, getting canceled. Uh, one thing after another, family and church gatherings are restricted. Restricted. However, if you want to riot, burn, and loot, well, not so much. You know, if you want to do those things, we'll have at it. You don't have to worry about your mask and social distancing. You know, uh, Which, by the way, did you see this last week? Uh, there's a church up in Canada and all who, um, I mean, they went by all the protocols except they weren't necessarily as stringent on the mask deal like that. Well, the authorities came in and, all, and, and built a chain link fence around the church and blocked off the roads you know, to it because they did not conform to mask mandates, you see. This is going on. You know, a lot of times you sit back, you read these headlines, you listen to this, what's going on, and you think, how do people make this stuff up? You know, I mean, to me, you know, that's people that's got way too much time on their hands, You know, just thinking up things to make life miserable. I don't know. But anyway, these are the things that we see. And if we're not careful, our spirits will cool and callous, and our light is going to dim. Our light is going to, we will get so overwhelmed. We will get so inundated with this information. And I'm not saying shut it off, I'm not saying, you know, just ignore it and everything. It's out there. Okay? And as believers, I think we need to respond accordingly. But nonetheless, if we are not careful in everything, we're gonna find that our spirits are gonna start cooling. And we're gonna become more engaged in everything in what is being said and all out here. And we wanna be careful on that. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is giving what's called his Olivet Discourse. Now, this is during the time in all what we typically refer to as Passion Week. Okay? the time from when Christ rode triumphantly into Jerusalem until the following weekend, His death, burial, and resurrection. That's called Passion Week. Well, basically right in the middle of that is when Christ gave this Sermon on the Mount. And in that, He is basically answering a couple of questions that His disciples ask. His disciples ask Him, When will the kingdom be restored to Israel, and what will be the sign of Your coming? All right? Now notice he did not say signs. He said sign, singular, okay? And Jesus will answer that. But before he gets to that, he gives some particulars, okay, about what what to be aware of, what to look for, and what that end time is going to look like prior to his coming. Now, as we go through some of these, I want you to keep it in mind, if we look at God's prophetic calendar, we know that the next event to take place is the rapture of the church, okay? Keep in mind that the rapture of the church is at least, at least seven years prior to Jesus' actual return to the earth. And as we go through Matthew chapter 24, you're going to sit back and say, man, we're seeing some of these things now. Now. We're seeing some of these things unfold now in our culture. And so if we are seeing some of these things unfold now, then my friend, I ask you today, how much closer are we to the coming of the Lord? You see, how much closer are we to the rapture of the church when Christ comes for His own? So look at some of the particulars as you go through Matthew 24. And I'm not going to point out specific um. Um, verses and everything, but I'll just give you some of the things that he says. First of all, he says there'll be wars, and even rumors of wars. Well, you know, historians tell us that the 20th century, last century, was the most violent century in all of history, in the 20th. Why? Wars. We had the Great War, World War I. We had World War II. The followed up after that, Korea, Vietnam. And then other countries also, they're engaged and various conflicts and all. In the 20th century, the most violent of all history. Rumors of wars, even today, you hear of countries threatening one another, okay? Getting too close to our border, coming into our waters and everything. We're going to retaliate, okay? So here's the rumors of wars. And then civil strife. Civil strife. He said, where is that? You know, those two words aren't in that scripture. Well, he said, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And that's talking about literally nations divided against themselves, okay? Nations going at war against themselves. And of course, our history, we have a great civil war, don't we? Back in the 1800s, when our nation was was divided along various ideological lines. But now what it's talking about is, you know, not necessarily a fighting civil war, but, a, but countries that are divided against themselves in ideology and in various other things. And let me tell you something, folks, unless you're just, you know, haven't been keeping up with anything, we live in a divided country right now. When it comes to philosophy, when it comes to ideology, when it comes to how things ought to, we live in a divided country. You know, uh, maybe you've had some of those conversations with people that think totally opposite of you. You see, and that and that's fine. Don't get me wrong, but rather than coming together, rather than reconciling together, we're seeing this pull us farther apart. You know, as a nation, and other countries are going through this also. Then he says pestilence, and pestilence is literally the word contagion or infectious diseases. Well, guess what? We're in the middle of one, aren't we? You know, and it's supposed to over the last of two weeks, and here we are. What a year later, I think so. Here we go, and of course, this isn't the first. You know, there's been those other infectious diseases that we, as a nation and people of the world, you know, have dealt with. And then he made an interesting statement. The thing is, the verse that we read says, because iniquity abounds. Now that word iniquity literally means a contempt for law. A contempt for law. I find it interesting that in these last days Jesus said that there will be a contempt for law. Okay, And the Antichrist, one of his titles is referenced to as the man of lawlessness. Lawlessness. One who will have contempt for the law you see. He become a law unto himself. And even today we see that our laws are under attack, our Constitution is under attack and not that I set the Constitution next to the Word of God, please. I understand that. But the Constitution is the law of our land. It is that foundation and everything that our founding fathers placed there. And we are seeing it under attack, in particular the First Amendment. When it says that we have freedom of religion, we have freedom of speech, that we have freedom of the press and we have the freedom to peaceably assemble. Okay? These are all, during this, especially during this last year, this, th- these are all come under attack. And the thing about it is of that first amendment, our father said that these shall not be a bridge, which means they can't be diminished. But yet we are seeing a diminishing, aren't we? Why? Because there's a contempt for the law a contempt for the law, the people not following the law and even having a contempt for it. And because of that, he says love, love will wax cold. People will become cold-hearted. People will become increasingly insensitive. People will become increasingly self-centered, you see. Folks, I think Jesus 2,000 years ago basically described where we're at today. And this, he's saying, this is just before I come. Well, guess what? Seven years prior, he removes his church. He removes the believer. How close are we to that? So what I wanted to bring out, you know, is just maybe some preventative medicine, Okay. We all take that. You know, maybe when winter comes and everything, you start stocking up on the vitamin C or something like that, you know. Or, or, you know, allergy season's coming like I do and everything. So about a month out and everything, I start taking some stuff, you know, to, to build up in the system where I don't, you know, have my... Allergic meltdowns, like I, like I usually do from from the allergies and such. So we start taking that preventative stuff. Okay. Well, I want to give you some preventative medicine and everything that will that, if applied, if applied, will hopefully help us not to get so cold, to get cold hearted. Because, folks, if alls we're doing is worrying about anything and everything that is around us and everything that. <laughs> I'm not trying to be cute when I say this and everything, but it's almost like you want to go stick your head in the microwave, you know, and just forget about this thing. But let me tell you something and everything, folks. I firmly believe, you know, that as long as we are here as the people of God, God has a purpose for us. God has a plan for us. And not just to survive and hold on, you know, and say, hey, anytime Jesus, come on, which I mean, we, we want that. We're ready for the Lord to come anytime you're coming. But listen, we have been commissioned to occupy until He comes, to move forward, to take ground, and to continue to be His light until He calls us out, okay? And here's the thing that I want you to always remember. Jesus said, I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. I am so glad that He never leaves or forsakes His children. You know, it's like that old bumper sticker. We've all seen it, you know, feel far from God. Well, guess who moved? God ain't gone nowhere. Okay, he's still the same yesterday, today, forever. Amen. You know he hasn't changed any. So let me give you four things, four preventative medicine here that if you heed, then I believe that um, uh, will help you along. This number one is prayer, and you might say, "Well, duh, we're supposed to do that anyway." But you know, if you be honest, you know, if you be honest, you know, how consistent is our prayer life today? You know, it usually seems that the only time we really get down serious in prayer is when we get that one report from the doctor we don't want to hear. Or you're going down the road and you press on your brakes and there's nothing there. Then we start praying, don't we? Then we start praying. But yet God wants us to pray each and every day. Matter of fact, he said, you know, three words in the Bible, pray without ceasing. All right? We're to be in a continual state of prayer, continually before our Heavenly Father. And what's so neat is as a child of God. And all, oh, we have a privilege to come boldly before the throne of God. Not brashly, not arrogantly, but boldly in Jesus Christ. We can approach Him. And His throne is always open to the cries of His children. We are to humbly ask when we do. Make a request, right? He didn't say make your demands. He said, make a request known unto God, the Bible says, that we humbly ask of Him and then you know what? That we readily accept His will. Readily accept His will. You know Jesus gave us that example in the Garden of Gethsemane didn't He? When He said, Father if there's any way let this cup pass from me, however, not my will, Your will be done. You see, that should be our prayer. You know, and the only way I think we can pray that, folks, is when we are consistently in contact with Christ. When we have that consistent prayer life. and you know, When we are constantly before the throne, you see, and, and, and staying true in our approach to Christ. Wisdom. Wisdom. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Wisdom to navigate the cultural waters that are out there. Number two, live and breathe His Word. Live and breathe His Word. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but how many of you today was the first day you picked up your Bible since last Sunday? We read a lot of things, don't we? Reader's Digest, Sports Illustrated. I don't know what else is out there. You know, different things. But is there a consistency in the Word of God? Because here's the thing about it, this is God's Word to us, isn't it? This is God saying, hey, I've got something for you, okay? And we're not going to find that out unless we get into that. But let me ask you something, where's the desire? You know, is there a hunger, is there a thirst for the things of God? And not only just the things of God, but God's Word reveals Him, so there is a hunger and thirst for Him. You know, Paul said it best when he said that he wanted to experience Jesus Christ. He wanted to experience it. He wanted to experience the highs and lows from the fellowship of His suffering to the glory of His resurrection. Man, I want to know all about Him and in between, you see. Do we have that hunger and desire today? Because this book right here, this book that's on your lap, and everything, it should draw you. Man, this is an eternal book. You know what is so neat about God's Word? And some of you have shared that with me also. What's so neat about God's Word? And most of us have been saved for a number of years in here, okay? And I'm sure that the vast majority of us have read our Bible through, okay? We've read it through. Maybe, you know, two, three, four times. I don't know. You've read your Bible through. But you know what's neat? You can read that Bible through and every time you do, something new is going to pop up. God will show you something new. You know why? Because this book is eternal. And our minds are only finite. And God reveals those things to us, you know. I'm going back in my personal devotion through the book of 1 and 2 Chronicles, and I've read that before. And I made notes, and I see all my notes in there, but as I'm going back, I say, oh, I didn't see that before. Wow, Lord, where'd that come from? It's always been there, you see. God's Word will draw you to it. God's Word, this book should revive you, should encourage you, should lift you up. Let me tell you something, CNN's not going to revive you. Major League Baseball is not going to revive you. What's going on in our colleges and universities is not going to revive you. But what's going on in this book will revive you. You know, how many of you read, um, and this goes a while back, back in the 90s, I guess, maybe. How many of you read the um, Left Behind series? You remember that? You read that? I got through the first, I think I read the first two, got about a quarter way through the third one, you know. And like everything else, things come up. But I don't know this. I don't have the complete set. I don't know anybody who does. But I, do you have? Okay. Well, I had heard. What's the, what's the name of the last book? If I remember what somebody said, the name of the last book is Jesus Wins. That's not it. It should be. <laughs> because that is the end of the book, isn't it? Jesus Wins. Go read Revelation 21 and 22. Man, Jesus wins, you see. And that should revive us knowing that our hope isn't in government, our hope is in the God of eternity, you see. That's where this book should revive us. This book will guide you. It's a lamp under our feet, a light under our path. This book will help you maneuver these cultural waters that we're going through, because God's Word doesn't change. Man's Word's changing constantly. I already mentioned, you know, when this pandemic broke out or when this virus broke out, they said, oh, two weeks, we'll be done with it. Well, here we are a year later, you know, and we still got it. So it seems like the narrative is constantly changing, but God's Word doesn't change. And we we we, we know that it is a sure guide, and then also this book will sustain us. It'll sustain us. You know, my hope is built on nothing less than my government. No, that don't work, does it? My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You see, all other ground. We have a sure footing in the word of God. So prayer living and breathing his word number three see others as souls and not by skin color see others as souls not by skin color i'm reading a book right now i think they're doing security another thing i saw terry here she gave it to me but it's a book by erwin lutzer who was longtime pastor of the moody church uh in chicago and wrote a book said we will not be silent just came out in 2020 but in that he basically outlines, outlines how socialism, Marxism, makes its way into a country and takes over and everything. Let me tell you, what's happening in this country is textbook. What is taking place? And one of the things is to divide. Is to divide. Divide along racial lines. Now here's the thing. I don't have a problem with racial lines because I don't think there's a black race. I don't think there's a white race. I don't think there's a brown race. I think there's the human race. Because the bottom line is, and everything, we all go back to the boat, amen? You know? We all go back to the boat, and from there, we all go back to the garden, you see. And God created us one blood. And that's where we have got to see. We become divided on what we see on the outside, not realizing that each and every human being, regardless of skin color, is created in the image of God. And that's how we've got to see people. We see them as valuable. We see them as precious. We see them as image bearers of the holy and the true God, but to see others as souls and not as skin color. As I mentioned in Acts, the Bible says we're one blood. God says that He loved the whole world. Aren't you glad that He didn't define that by race? Okay, He just said, I love everybody. Red, yellow, black, and white, you know what? They're all precious in His sight. And that's the way we should see. That's the way we should see. And not let, you know, not let our culture keep us divided and everything because of, uh, because of culture, because of skin color, because of whatever. But to realize that we all bear, bear the image of God. Matter of fact, the book of Acts tells us every kindred, tribe, and tongue God loves. God loves, you see. And you know what? If God loves them, then guess what? We are commanded to love too, right? We're to love others because God first loved us. We're to forgive others because God first forgave us. We're to care for others because God first cared for us. And you know, when, when, when we see through the eyes of God, you know what that does? That gets eyes off of self. Self would pull you to the toilet, man. You know, the flesh, the, 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 the flesh is very uh, survivalist. It'll be all about me. But the Bible says, no, it's not about me. It's about him and him using us to reach others with the gospel of Christ. You know, Martin Luther King, I think it was in 1963, that was his great um, I Have a Dream speech. But in that, one of the statements he made that he dreamt that one day people would be judged by the content of their character and not by the color of their skin. And that's how we need to see see people. That's how we need to see people. And only when we see them that way can we have a heart for them you see, and love them the way God loves them. Prayer, live and breathe His words. See others as souls, precious souls. And then speak the truth. But speak it in love. Truth can be harsh. There's a marquee on a church near me. I pass every time when I come here. And on the, it says, if the truth hurts, it's working. Okay, now that's cool. That makes sense, okay? But how are we supposed to convey the truth, the Bible says, in love? In other words, I'm going to convey the truth to you because I care for you, not because I'm trying to make myself a point, okay? But I care for you. That's why I'm going to tell you this. That's why I'm going to share this with you. It's not so that I can make points or prove that I'm better than you, anything like that, you see? speaking the truth in love. And, and in our culture today, I'm reminded of the words of Pilate. You remember when Jesus was on trial? And, and during that time, you know, Jesus talked about Him being the truth. And then Pilate asked the question, what is truth? What is truth? And you know, that same question is probably being asked today, or you know, is asked today. So what is truth? Because everybody's a truth to themselves. What I think is truth is truth. What Mike thinks is truth is truth. What Nathaniel thinks is truth is truth. And we've gotten away from the truth, which is God's word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, you see. And so that's the one truth. And you know what? If you get right down to it, think about it for a moment. I want you to think about this assembly, okay, and why we're here today. If we do not believe this is the truth and we are a truth under ourselves, then we have no business being here. What's the purpose? We have no purpose. Hey, we just like coming together and fellowship. Well, go down to Denny's and do that and everything, but there's no sense coming together and keeping this thing going. But the reason we do assemble, the reason we do come together is because of a common truth and that's God's Word what we believe God's Word to be, that truth. That's why we're here. And that's the truth we believe that man needs to hear today because he's not hearing truth. He's hearing opinion. He's hearing preference. But he's not hearing truth. Man needs truth today. We're in a culture where, as I said, truth is being obscured. Maybe you saw the article We're now in schools. They're saying that math, math is racist. Math is an invention of white colonials and everything, and it is oppressor to others. And you know what? If two plus two is five to you, that's okay. You're going to have a hard time proving somebody that two things plus two things is five, because you know what? It's four. One thing about math, it don't change, amen? It is what it is. But yet we have people who say, no, this is my truth. We have gender dysfunction today. When we say, yes, there's men and there's women, but there's a whole lot of things here in between. I don't know. The genetic code doesn't say that. God's Word doesn't say that. I mean, matter of fact, God's Word is pretty clear. You know, He created man and woman. Okay? You either XX or XY, they ain't nothing. You can't change it. You know? You know, you can put lipstick and powder and rose, you know, and stuff all that stuff on a pig, but you know what? Still a pig. Okay? It don't change. You can't change the inside. Okay? But yet we have this is your truth, this is my truth, this is their truth, you see. Instead of that foundation of truth of God's Word, you know what? And even heaven, how religions are divided. Get to well that's your way to heaven well you get to heaven this way or you have to do this to get there we're all going to the same place we're just taking different roads I just quoted you John chapter 14 verse 6 Jesus said nope you know what there's one road you say listen that's narrow minded Everything. why does this church preach something that is narrow minded because God's word says that I'm not saying it God's word said Jesus, Jesus said I am the way I don't know where you can go from there. And then he even went on to say, No man comes to the Father except by baptism. I caught you, didn't I, Bill? Yeah, exactly. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's God's Word. Okay? That's not Don Cherry. That's not Jerry Falwell. That's not Adrian Rogers. That's God's Word. Okay? That's God's Word. So how can we keep, how can we stay warm in this continually cooling culture that we have? Well, I think the bottom line is, don't just read God's Word, but heat it. Heed it. Do what it tells you to do. Follow its paths. Apply its principles. You see because you know God's word said listen I just want only good for you. I don't want you hurt. I don't want you harmed. I'm giving you this path but you know what? You've got a choice to make. What you're going to do. Heed the word of God this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment in your bulletin you'll have to look there now but in your bulletin there was a sheep that had a prayer on it that prayer was by Erwin Lutzer and just said You know, this is a prayer that maybe we ought to be praying as God's people today. And it is a prayer on behalf of our nation. It's a prayer on behalf of the people of God. And it's a prayer that kind of follows along with if my people who are called by my name. If we were humbly and earnestly seek and plead before the throne of God. God says he'll work. But folks, we can't we can't hope that the government's going to straight up we, straighten up. We can't hope that Hollywood's going to straighten up. We can't hope any of these things are going to straighten up until the house of God straightens up. And God's people get back to where they need to be with him. So I'm going to ask you this morning you know, the first Sunday of every month is the time that we come, we just ask the church to come and pray on behalf of our church. And we've seen God bless in some wonderful, tremendous ways here at Shenandoah Valley. But last Sunday was Easter, so we're going to do kind of that first Sunday thing this week. But I'm going to ask you this morning, I'm going to ask you to come and pray for two things. Pray for our country. Pray for our country, God have mercy on our country. Secondly, ask God not to let you get cold. Not to let you get cold, but to stay warm so that the light of Jesus Christ will shine through us.